External self-awareness is one of the best tools that we can have to help us manage the tension of relationships in our lives. So what is external self-awareness and how do we do it? Well, we're going to be talking all about that on today's episode of Real Talk with Kane Adams. Let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Real Talk with Kane Adams. Right now, we are in the middle of our series on self-awareness. Last week, we talked about internal self-awareness, which is understanding the thoughts, the, the behaviors, and the habits of your life, but also understanding the belief system of where those thoughts, habits, and behaviors come from. Uh, internal self-awareness about taking your thinking off of autopilot mode and starting to fly your thinking manually. <laughs> Having control over over your thinking and and as well as over the behaviors uh, that are detrimental to your life, and so that was all about internal self awareness. So if you've missed that episode, you can check it out. It's on YouTube, on Spotify, on wherever you listen or watch this podcast. Uh, you can check it out and then get up to speed with our series on self awareness. And today we are going to be talking about external self awareness. So while internal self-awareness was about looking on the inside, uh, within, and the thoughts and the behaviors within, external self-awareness is uh, talking about the behaviors outside of us and, 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 and talking about how, how our behaviors are impacting on those around us. So we're going to be talking about that today, and let's get straight into it. So what is external self-awareness? External self-awareness is... The ability to understand yourself from the perspective of somebody else. So it's about seeing yourself from somebody else's perspective. Uh, in other words, I like this. It's self, external self-awareness is asking yourself the question, what is it like being on the receiving end of me? What's it like being on the receiving end of me? Um, and when you ask yourself a question like that, then you can gain insight to some of the blind spots of your life. Uh, it's interesting because I think a lot of people don't ask that question, what's it like being on the receiving end of me? So often we can be so focused on ourselves, on meeting our own needs, on um, on having our own way. Uh, I mean, some people don't like, we've talked about, Don't most people don't even exercise self-awareness at all. So they don't even think about how they think or why they think the way that they do or why they are the way that they are. Um, but sometimes when you go into internal self-awareness, we can be so focused on thinking about why we are the way that we are, why we think the way that we think, that we can neglect the impact that we're actually having on other people um, and the impact that our behaviors are having on other people. And so when you ask yourself a question like, what is it like being on the receiving end of me? You go from just thinking internally to now thinking externally as well, to not just thinking about your own behaviors and how they affect you, but thinking about your own behaviors and how they affect other people as well. And so that's what external self-awareness is all about. So when it comes to behavior, a good way to think about it would be blind spots. So all of us have blind spots in our lives where... uh, where we do certain things, we say certain things, we behave in a certain way, we have certain habits or idiosyncrasies that we have no idea that we have and that the majority of people around us can see that we can't see. Isn't that a scary thought? Um, that we could be behaving in a way that is negatively impacting people and we have no idea that we're even doing it. And so 
External self-awareness, like I said, asking that question, what's it like being on the receiving end of me, will help, hopefully give us insight into what those blind spots are and then give us a starting point um, for us to be able to to work on those those blind spots and to, to work on those behaviors so that we can have positive relationships with those around us. So what are some examples of some blind spots that we can have in our lives? I've got a whole list here, uh, which I thought would be great to read through because uh, it just kind of brings it a bit more practical, allows you to think of some practical examples of what blind spots could be. And as I read them through, I'm sure that there'll be some which you can recognize that you have in your own life. Uh, and you might think, oh, maybe I should work on that. So let's go through them. The first one, being tactless or unfiltered. So you don't think of the impact of your words. You just say whatever you want, say whatever comes to your head, and you just let it out in whatever way that you want. Um, that's a massive blind spot. What's interesting about this one, actually, before I go on to the rest, is that a lot of people can think that unfiltered people have a sense of self-awareness, but it's not the case. Uh, just because you say whatever comes to your mind and just because you let it out in a tactless way or or you just say whatever you're thinking, that doesn't mean that you're self-aware. In fact, it means the opposite. Uh, if you're just saying what you're thinking without thinking about the negative impact that it can have on other people, then you're not being self-aware at all. You have no idea what you're even saying um, and the impact that, that what you're saying is having on other people. So that's one blind spot that you could have is being tactless or being unfiltered and just saying whatever you think without actually thinking about the impact or the consequence that it has on the relationships around you. Another one is um, another blind spot, being very easily stressed. So you sweat the small stuff. Um, this one's common. Uh, something to understand with this is that stress is contagious. So you might you might experience like, for example, you might be in a room where everything is all happy and there's, a, there's quite a positive atmosphere, people are joking or laughing, and then you have one person comes in and they're stressed out of their mind and they are huffing and they're puffing and they're moaning and complaining and whinging and then they, they leave in a stress and a huff and a puff and it just brings down the whole atmosphere uh, and you feel it, right? And so stress is contagious. It can actually, people can catch other people's stress. People could be in a totally positive mood and then it just takes one person to be extremely stressed and then now they're in a stressful mood as well so that could be a blind spot perhaps you sweat the small stuff and 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 you visibly show and visibly manifest the extreme stress that you're experiencing in your life that could be a blind spot um another one being frequently irritable so maybe you're angry maybe you snap easy maybe um you have a short fuse uh and you might not realize that you have that uh, being indifferent, so coming across like you don't care, that's another blind spot, uh, that, that uh, whether it's in meetings, whether it's in relationships or friendships or whatever, you could be focused on other things uh, that, that you come across as quite indifferent, as if you don't care, and, and maybe you don't care, and that's, that's a blind spot. Um, being dominant is another one, so maybe you're always interrupting people, you're always the one who was talking the most at meetings, not letting other people get a word in. Um, you're always talking over top of people. You're being dominant to try and get your way, to try and get your say. That's another blind spot. Um, being narcissistic. So always making the conversation about yourself. Always bringing the subject back to you and back to what you're doing. Someone might be telling a story about their life and instead of responding to it, you, uh, in a way that that exemplifies them, you turn that story to make it about yourself. 
uh, as an example. So being narcissistic could be a blind spot. Being defensive, always blaming others, never taking responsibility for your actions or never taking responsibility for the things that you get wrong. <laughs> it's always somebody else's fault. Um, that is a massive blind spot, which a, a lot of people have. And people who do have that often don't see that they have it. Being defensive, big blind spot. Being forgetful. So this is someone who is just easily forgetful, always losing their car keys, but they're always late to meetings or late to um, to to parties or events. Um, they're always breaking promises because they just forgot that that's what they promised. Um, they, they're, they're terrible with time management. Uh, so that could be a big blind spot in your life. Uh, being a yes person. So always having to people please, always saying yes, having uh, not having the ability to say no. So that's the person who tends to be lacking in boundaries. Um, and that's that's a massive blind spot that people can have is that they're running themselves dry, killing themselves in the process because they're just saying yes to everything. Uh, and they don't know why they're so stressed and why they're so anxious or why they're so so burnt out. It's because you've got to learn to say no. And that could be a blind spot that people have that they don't realize that they have. Being passive aggressive. So someone who's giving snarky remarks laced with niceness. <laughs> And some people don't realize that they're doing that. Uh, it's a massive blind spot. And that is something that has detrimental effects into relationships and into friendships and into well, any relationship. Anyone who's passive aggressive, uh, it is never nice. It is never positive. It is never uh, helpful or, or, or encouraging for, for when, when anyone is passive aggressive. Uh, and so that's a big blind spot that people can have. And the last one, this one's interesting. Someone who is being inordinately competent inordinately competent. So that is someone who always has to be right, who who has to be a know-it-all, who always has to have the facts straight. Now, this isn't necessarily a, uh, necessarily a bad thing because you do need to have the facts straight and you do need to know the truth and you do need, to, do need to be able to discern a situation and evaluate a situation to know what is truth and what isn't truth. That's a very important thing to do. Um, but sometimes people could be telling a story or pouring out their life and what they really need is a listening ear but instead they get someone who presents them with them facts and advice on what to do oh no that's not true this is what happened here or or no no, no what you're saying there is not true no this is it here da, 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 da. Um, which like I said it's important to do but at the same time sometimes we can neglect uh, hearing people and, and in turn in doing that we're actually invalidating people because we're not listening to them at all and so they don't feel heard uh, and so that could be a blind spot as well, not hearing people by just going straight to the facts, right? Um, and so those so those are blind spots that we can have in our lives, which quite often other people can see and we don't see ourselves. And so what happens is that if we don't address these blind spots in our lives, then they wreak all sorts of havoc that we don't need. And they can create tensions in relationships that could be easily sorted or, or, or that we just don't need uh, if we just have the external self-awareness to understand what those behaviors are and the impact that they're having on other people. Okay, so external self-awareness requires stepping into other people's shoes. It requires imagining what it's like to be someone else with you in their world. What does it feel like to be around you? Um, it's amazing because, because we could meet people who perhaps are very over the top. They could be arrogant. They could be rude. Maybe you might be in a meeting, and I always use meeting as an example, but I think it's a good example. You might be in a meeting and someone comes in and they're arrogant, they're rude, 
they're they're cutting across other people they're being dominant in the conversation um they're perhaps being a little narcissistic bringing the conversation back to them uh, and then they leave the meeting and what's awful is that it's not so much that the behavior that they're conducting within the meeting but what's tragic is the fact that they have no idea that they're conducting that behavior at all that they would leave the meeting thinking that was a good meeting uh, without thinking at all about the implications uh, that their behavior has had on the people around them and so you know another example might be someone in a meeting says a joke that's a bit uncomfortable a bit inappropriate and and they laugh and people around you know, everyone in the room is kind of thinking, oh, you know, and, and then they leave the room and you have that one person pipe up going, oh, that was awkward, wasn't it? And they have no idea that it was awkward. Uh, and so that's a lack of external self-awareness. And and so it's not just about understanding, well, it's not just about, like I said, mourning the behavior that we are producing and manifesting to other people, but more so mourning the fact that we are unaware of this behavior and we are blind to this behavior. And so that's something that we need to fix. So we all have major blind spots in our lives. And even with that list that I just read out before, for every listener right now, for anyone that's watching, I can guarantee that you will have at least one, if not two or three of those blind spots on that list. Uh, Every one of us have have blind spots. For me on that list, um, I know that I can be I can be stressed quite easily sometimes. I can be uh, quite narcissistic sometimes. In in conversations, I tend to bring things about myself, and I'm aware of that. Um, I can be uh, I, I can be a yes person. So um, probably due to my agreeableness, uh, I tend to always want to be helping people out, or always wanting to to please people and to say yes to people. And that's something that I need to learn uh, to say no. And so we all have blind spots. And the problem, well, let's put it, the problem with these blind spots, and it's the reason why we need to be intentional about finding these blind spots and correcting this behavior, is because they contribute to the tensions of our relationships. And you've heard me say that before. What do I mean by that? Well, in every relationship, because all of us are imperfect people, we're all going to be rubbing each other up the wrong way in some form or another. And... I guess the goal of any relationship is to minimize that rubbing as much as possible uh, to, to keep peace in a relationship. Now, obviously, there are things about yourself and your behaviors, well, I should say about yourself, that you can't change in terms of your personality that is always going to be rubbing up people the wrong way. Uh, and so we're not talking about that. That's understandable. You're not going to get along with everyone and not everyone is going to like you. That is fine. We accept that. Um, but what I'm talking about is unnecessary behaviors or unnecessary habits in our lives that are rubbing people up the wrong way when they actually don't need to be. And they're actually something that we could nip in the bud and we could fix. And so we experience different types of relationships and different types of relationships carry tension. And I think what's tragic is when a really good relationship ends and the ending of the relationship can be tragic in itself. But I think what's even more tragic is when one party or both parties don't know why their relationship ended 
or why there was such a conflict or such a tension in relationship. And then the relationship finishes and ends and neither of you know why. And so you automatically go into blaming the other person. Well, it's their fault. Well, they were too controlling. Well, they were, they were too insensitive um, or they were too sensitive <laughs> um, or whatever it may be. And we can go into, into blaming. And this is what external self-awareness is all about. It's about looking at the tension of a relationship and asking yourself the question, what am I contributing to this tension? What am I doing that is detrimental to this relationship? And you've got to always ask yourself that question. And it takes a lot to ask yourself that question as well. Like I said, not many people do it. Um, and it takes a lot to ask yourself that question because it means confronting the behaviors that perhaps you don't see, confronting the blind spots that perhaps you don't see. So for example, you maybe maybe um, somebody, maybe you are in a playful way making fun of one of your friends in front of other people, okay? And most of the time it's fine, but you could take it that step too far. Uh, and they're uncomfortable with it. And then it comes to a point where you're doing it too many times that it's too unbearable for them to handle and the relationship breaks down. And I mean, you could thought you could think to yourself, well, they're, too, they're being too sensitive. But then you've got to ask yourself the question, well, maybe they're not being too sensitive. Maybe it's more so that, that you are being a little too harsh and perhaps you stepped over the line and you know you got maybe you ask yourself well was i being too harsh maybe uh, let's ask the question then is if that joke was said about me in front of those people how would i respond to it well maybe i wouldn't respond so well okay so maybe it's not so much that they're being too sensitive but perhaps it was you being too harsh and so that's what external self-awareness is it's about looking at yourself and looking at your behaviors and Again, constantly asking yourself the question, what is it like being on the receiving end of me? So in a nutshell, basically, the more externally self-aware that you are, the easier it is to navigate through the tensions of a relationship. Because you understand at that point that it takes two to tango. That it's never just somebody else's fault. But but all of us on, on both sides, of, in any relationship on both sides, we each have something that we're contributing to the tension of the relationship. Uh, and so then it's our job to observe and to find what it is that you are contributing to the tension. What are the behaviors that you are doing to, that, contrib that contribute to the tension of that relationship? Um, and what happens is once you actually begin to work on that behavior, then the tension begins to dissipate and things get easier. Uh, and it always starts, like I said, being the bigger person and looking inside yourself and, and trying hard, doing the best you can to work out what are the blind spots in your life that you can work on that'll, that, that, that'll take away and, and minimize and, and relieve the tension in the relationships that you have in your life. Now, obviously, there could be some situations, and I know some of you might be thinking that, well, what if I have done the best that I can to save a relationship um, I've recognized my behaviors. I've recognized my flaws. I've talked to them about it. I've talked to other people about it. They've told me what my flaws are and I've worked so damn hard to be able to fix them, yet this person is still pushing me away. And sometimes that is the case um, because at the end of the day, when it comes to any relationship, for a relationship to work, it requires two parties to be in agreement. You both have to be in agreement to to be in the relationship. And if one person is not willing to participate, not willing to look at their behavior or, or are not willing to engage in the relationship and they, and they break it down or they, they end it, 
um, then unfortunately that's just the way that it is. But at least you can hold your head up high knowing that you did the best that you could to relieve the tension in that relationship and that you did the best that you could to look at your own behavior and to use external self-awareness to understand what you are contributing to that relationship. And rather than just writing them off, you know, uh, as someone who's insensitive or writing them off as someone who's crazy and 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 that you are blameless and that you were perfect, um, but rather that you can, like I said, you can hold your head up high knowing that you did the best that you could to save that relationship. And, and it's hard. And unfortunately, that's the reality of life is that sometimes relationships don't last forever, obviously. Some, some relationships are seasonal and sometimes relationships end in a really bad way. Um, but you want to do the best that you can to, to bring out the best in every relationship in your life, whether it's long-lasting relationships, long-term relationships, or short-term relationships. You want to be able to do the best that you can to nurture and to take care of that relationship. And the best way that you can do that is through external self-awareness. And then sometimes as well, here's another question that people might be thinking, is that sometimes the tension of a relationship might not always be about you. And so then the question will be, well, how do I work out in any given relationship where there is tension, how do I work out whether or not it's an internal issue within them or whether it's an external issue within me and within us? Um, how, how, how do we work that out? And a good way, I think, to work that out would be to observe how they behave around other people. For example, if they behave negatively and irrationally around you, but they also behave negatively and irrationally around those around you, uh, then chances are the problem's not with you because it's impacting a lot of people around them as well. So the, the, the problem isn't with you and the problem isn't with your relationship with them, but it's probably an internal problem with them. Likewise, on the, on the flip side, if they are behaving really positively around everyone else and they're warm and welcoming around everyone else, but they treat you differently, and they're negative around you, or they, their behavior is negative and irrational around you, then chances are then that's tension within the relationship. And you can pick that up pretty quickly and pick that up pretty well um, just through behavior observation. Uh, you can tell pretty quickly whether there's a problem with them and everyone or with just you and them. Uh, and so, so again, external self-awareness, that's where you'll, when, when you learn that, if, if that is a problem between you and them, that's when you can start to exercise external self-awareness to minimize the tension of that relationship. So basically, if you want to have healthy and long-lasting relationships in your life, the key to that is, is well, the key to that is both internal self-awareness and external self-awareness because internal self-awareness is about learning who you are, like I've said, the thoughts, the habits, and the actions in your life and where they come from and why you think the way that you think and why you are the way that you are. And then external self-awareness, understanding how your behavior impacts other people. Uh, and when you put those two together, you have a spicy meatball. So, so it's powerful. It's powerful. And it is an absolute nothing but an asset to the relationships in your life. Okay, so let's go through practical ways of, ex of uh, practicing external self-awareness. How do we practice external self-awareness? Uh, and I'll just give you a couple that perhaps that I that I think about that I do. Um, one would be like, here's a little simple one. Um, say you're sending an email to someone or a text, uh, and it's to 
address an issue that you've been thinking about or that you need to address or, or a conflict within the relationship. Uh, and you so you write up the email. Bef- most people just write it out and hit send, right? But before you hit send, what I like to do is I would read the email um, from their perspective. So I would pretend that I am them and I'm receiving that email. And I ask the question, if well, basically, if this email was sent to me, how would I respond to it and how would I react to it? And so you read through the email through their eyes. And you can, when you do that, you can very quickly, very quickly pick up what you need to change. You can go, oh, actually, that's quite harsh. Or you might go, oh, yeah, that's, that's the truth. And I need to say that. Maybe I need to say it in a different way. Or you might read something and go, oh, no, that's fine. So, so that, that, I don't know. That could just be a little quick tip there. That, that could help a lot. Um, and I guess another way to do that would be you, well, say you're sending an email uh, to address an issue to someone. Um, I mean, <laughs> disclaimer, I would say this. I have a rule of thumb where if, if, if there's a conflict that needs to be addressed uh, and it's too hard to put an email or you just know it's not going to be heard right in the email, go talk to the person. Just talk to them. Just forget email. Um, I do that as a rule of thumb all the time where if I'm writing an email and it's just taking like way too much of an effort to to make the tone right or to get things sounding right so that they receive it well, it's just it's not going to work well in email. Just go talk to them. Um, but, yeah, if, I, if, you're, if you're having to write an email, then... Um, then you can, yeah, like I said, uh, look at it from their perspective in terms of receiving it. What would it be like if you received that email from them, right? Um, another way would be focusing on how other people are receiving your words. So so a good way of doing that is watching body language. So if you're in a meeting, and it might not even be a meeting, it might just be, it could be a meeting or it could be uh, in places of play where you are, um, hanging out with friends, having a laugh, having fun, uh, and you speak and you talk, it's, you just constantly keep a little watch on, on people's body language. And body language says a lot. You can tell when someone is uncomfortable with something that you're saying. And when that happens, you can take a note of that. And sometimes, and I say in times of play, because obviously there are times when you'll need to address something with someone perhaps have an awkward conversation and they are going to be awkward. They're going to look down. They're going to look across the room and be really awkward about it. And sometimes that's just the way it is. You, you just have to tell the truth and confront the issue. Uh, and so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about everyday behavior with people, whether it's in, with work colleagues, whether it's with friends, whether it's with family at the dinner table. Um, and it's watching how people respond to the words that you are saying. Because what happens is so often we become, I mean, this is just classic, we become so focused on what we want to say that we ignore completely how people are responding or how people are receiving what we're saying. We just focus on what we want to say. We want to tell the story. We want to talk about us. We want to talk about this problem or this issue or moan or or whinge about something or just get something off our chest. And we just so focus on what we want to say that we don't think about how people are receiving it. And so that's something to consciously think about, particularly with external self-awareness. That's a good way to practice, is to not just be thinking about what you want to say, but be thinking about how people are actually receiving what you were saying. So you might say something, and then you watch the, you watch the body language, and you listen to the response that people say, uh, or, or, or how they respond to what you have said, and you listen to it intently, and you work out how that's been received. 
so that's a really good practice of self-awareness as well. And oh, here's a great quote. This is from Paul Scanlon. I really like this. Uh, so remember this quote. This is really good. If you say something or behave a certain way and one person responds negatively to you, it's an opinion. If two people respond negatively to you, then it needs attention. If three people respond negatively to you, then your blind spot has been confirmed. Uh, that's a good way to think about it too. So, because not all of your behavior is going to necessarily be bad. Just because one person might respond negatively to some of your behavior doesn't necessarily mean that you need to completely change your behavior or change your life. Um, it could just be their opinion. And sometimes it's valid to, to disregard that and say, well, actually, no, the way that I'm behaving is quite appropriate, so I'm going to continue that way. That's fine. Um, but it's that, like I said, if it's two people, then perhaps you need to take a look. But if it's three people that are responding negatively to your behavior, then that's a blind spot in your life. That's just been confirmed that you need to address quickly. The goal of external self-awareness is to come to a point where you understand exactly how what you're about to say to someone will affect them and how your words will land in the lives of your listeners. So it's not, a, it's not just about understanding what you were saying, but it's about understanding how what you were saying is being received by those around you. What is the impact that your words are having on those around you? So what's interesting about self-awareness is that it's important to practice internal self-awareness and external self-awareness separately. Because I think a lot of people can assume that just because they have internal self-awareness, that means that they have external self-awareness, or vice versa. Just because they have external self-awareness, that means that they automatically have internal self-awareness. Um, but that's not the case at all. You could quite easily be very focused on yourself, very focused on internal self-awareness, and understanding... Um, uh, you know, your thoughts, your behaviors, and your, your, your habits, and where they come from, and looking so introspectively that you don't realize that you're actually coming across quite aloof to people, or you, you have no idea how you're coming across to people. So that's very valid. Uh, likewise, you could be so focused on external self-awareness, uh, in, in other words, looking at how people are receiving you, and always focusing on being liked, and being accepted by people, and wanting to tailor your behavior or whatever in a way that's going to to um, be received well by people, but you might not know who the hell you are. You might have no idea um, about about who you are, why you are the way that you are, why you think the way that you think. Uh, and so that will be lacking internal self-awareness. So it's important to be able to practice both of those separately, to practice internal self-awareness and external self-awareness. I, um, I think it's important to practice internal self-awareness first and then to work your way outward to practicing external self-awareness because you need to know who you are first. You need to know why you think the way that you think, why you are the way that you are, where those thoughts and habits come from, those behaviors come from, and the belief systems that you have and the value system that you have in your life. It's, it's unbelievably important to know that because if you don't know who you are, then you are going to forever be living at the mercy of other people's expectations. So in other words, if you're trying to practice external self-awareness without knowing who you are, you're, always, you're just going to be living a version of yourself that is based on who other people say that you should be because you haven't done the inner work uh, to, to discover who you truly are. 
And so it's important to be practicing both internal self-awareness first and then working outward onto external self-awareness. Uh, and when you do that, it's, you, you'll be amazed at the impact that you have on the relationships in your life and the ability that you will gain to be able to manage the tension that you have in relationships. Uh, and that's what relate, half the relationships, I'd say, or problems of relationships are about, is managing tension. Um, and so again, the best way that you can work out how to manage tension in a relationship is through internal self-awareness and external self-awareness together. Okay? Wonderful. Great. So that is, um, that's, that's the first two episodes of self-awareness, internal self-awareness and external self-awareness. And, and I really hope that you've learned something, that you've been inspired, that you've been motivated uh, to do both the inner work and the outer work, the inner work of understanding who you are, your thoughts, habits, and behaviors, and where they come from, and then the outer work of understanding the blind spots in your life that could be contributing to the tension of relationships. Uh, and so... I wish you all the best on this journey of self-awareness. We've got two more episodes to go. So next week, we're going to be talking about uh, self-consciousness. What is self-consciousness and how is self-consciousness different from self-awareness? Because all of us suffer from self-consciousness in some form. Uh, and in the final episode of self-awareness, we're going to be talking about how to actually practice it. Uh, and, and that's mainly through feedback. So we're going to be talking a lot about uh, feedback and self-awareness. So thank you so much for joining us on Real Talk with Kane Adams. We'll see you next week.